prayer for boldness. Starting at verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with, bold, with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The word of God is, Worthy is the Lamb to be praised and adored. Amen? Worthy is the Lamb. Why don't you turn to one another and say, Worthy is the Lamb. And anything else you want to say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to be together again. Lord, we do praise you and we do adore you. We do know that worthy is the Lamb. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus, for us to be here to worship and to praise your name. And worthy are you to have given us your holy word so that we could share it together. And worthy are you who went and you lived and you died and you rose from the grave so that we could be saved. And worthy are you, Lord, as a song saying that you left everlasting to be close to us, to live the life that we live so that we have a living Savior who knows what we go through and knows how to answer our prayers. And Lord, you desire that we would pray boldly before you and may this message help us in that today. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Prayer for boldness. Two weeks ago, we shared in the scriptures uh, from Acts chapter 3 of how Peter healed a lame man at the temple gates. And then he would heal the man. He would say, silver and gold I do not have to give to you. What I give to you, I give in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And the man did. But But Peter was not the one who healed this man. It was Jesus was the one who healed this man. And the, the, the healing happened in the, the temple, in the, in the porch of the temple, where people were praying, and it attracted a mass crowd of people. Great amount of people came to see this, for they knew this lame man, and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And Peter then proclaimed to the crowd who it was who healed this man. He didn't bring attention to himself. He brought it all to Jesus. Peter would share in his street sermon how Jesus would bring to them 
refreshing. How we would bring forgiveness and blessing and wholeness and salvation. How he would blot out their sins if they would come to him. All who would believe in Jesus. And here was the greatest result of that, that sermon, that second sermon of Peter. It wasn't the result of the healing, but the greatest result from the message of the gospel and the healing of the lame man was Acts 4.4. and said, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The church grew from, from 3,000 from the first sermon, added on another two for this sermon. So that the church had 5,000 men who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. These were just men who were counted, not counting the women and children. And for all those, they were sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Then last week, we saw from the scriptures how the religious leaders would respond to this miracle and to this sermon. Not the way the mass of people did. They would not respond in belief, but instead, they had Peter and John arrested, but God had a plan. Under arrest, Peter and John would share the gospel and boldly proclaim to the religious leaders, to the Sanhedrin of the, of the Supreme Court. He would say to them this, Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which men can be saved or must be saved. The religious leaders knew who Peter and John were. They knew that these men had been with Jesus. And it wasn't the miracle that really bothered them. It was the message that bothered them. And they were unable to deny the miracle because the man was standing right there besides Peter and John. And the people had seen it, and the people had accepted it, and the people had glorified God. So the the religious leaders, their hands were tied. All they did was they told Peter and John under threat of punishment that they could not speak or teach the name of Jesus. Now what was the severe threat that they could have given? Peter and John understood that the severe threat meant that what Jesus had endured, they could endure. The beatings, the floggings, the crucifixion, death, they could be facing the same thing. So the religious leaders gave this threat to, the, to John and Peter, and then let them go. So what did Peter and John do here? Did they obey them? Did they say, hey, you know what, let's not talk about Jesus anymore. We, I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid, afraid of what's going to happen. No, that's not what happened. Now, when Peter and John were arrested, after they got released, what's the first thing they did? They went back to the church. They went back to their church because the church had heard what had happened, that Peter and John had been arrested. They had heard about the lame man. They would heard about the crowds. They heard about them being arrested. And the church would have been praying for Peter and for John. The church knew the power and the envy and the hatred of the religious leaders for the followers of Jesus. So there was great joy in the church when Peter and John were released and they came right to the church. And Peter and John would return safely. They would enter into the church. And the first thing they would do is they would give a great report. A great report of what happened. Look at Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. 
and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Peter and John went back and gave a report. You can imagine what this report was. Something like this. Something like, guys, last Sabbath, two days ago, Saturday, we went to the temple. Peter and me, we went to the temple. John and me, we went to the temple. And we, and we, we, um, sorry. I'm sorry, it's okay. Okay, it's all right. It's all right. Okay, no problem. Awesome. Let's get back to my, I'm trying my better acting. Take two, take two, ready, take two. So they gave this report. They went back, they went back to the church. They said, at the temple, we went to the temple, we saw a blind man, we saw a lame man there. It was, he was lame for since birth. And we did a miracle in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we were able to heal this man. And he rose up and he, he started walking and he started, he started enjoying his life. And then he came to Christ. And, and then the massive crowds from the, from, the, from the prayer, they came to the porch and they, they came to us and we shared to them Jesus. We shared Jesus. We shared the salvation message. And, and many were responding. People were rejoicing. There was tremendous joy. And then we got arrested. The religious leaders, they couldn't take it. We got arrested. And they threatened us. They threatened that they, would, they, would, they gave us great threats. And we know what those threats would be. And they told us, they said, you have to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Don't even mention his name. In public or private, don't even mention his name. And then we told them this. We said, we must obey God rather than you. And even though they threatened us, they had to let us go because the guy was here and the people were glorifying God. They had to let us go and here we are. God is great, amen? Praise God. We serve God and here we are. Even at the threat of death, we, here we are. They gave this testimony. And you can imagine, Peter might have added this to the testimony. He might have been even more rejoicing. He might have told the church, and this time, I did not deny him, but I proclaimed him. You see, the resurrected Lord, when he restored Peter, and he forgave Peter, and he renewed Peter, Peter was no longer a person who would deny Christ. He was a person who would proclaim Christ. The resurrected Lord who had forgiven Peter, as he's forgiven us, and as he's blessed us, he turned Peter into a bold witness for himself, for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the resurrected Savior did for Peter and for all the apostles. Because all the apostles in the Gospels forsook Jesus when he was arrested. It was Peter was the one who gets the write-up. But they all forsook him. And they were all forgiven by the Lord and made bold by him. How wonderful it was to see these apostles have such humility. There was no ego in Peter and John. They were not beating their chest like they did something great. They didn't say, you know what, Peter, John, you know, let's just do this on our own. We don't need a church. Look what we just did. It was amazing. There was no ego with them. There was only humility. They knew they needed their brothers and their sisters in Christ. And they knew that the church was praying for them. And they wanted to give glory to God. They wanted to bear testimony of what God had done. And they could have thought they didn't need the church, but the church was the first place that they went. A humble report giving God praise for his work in our life. 
a great testimony, a personal testimony of an answer to prayer or something that God has done in your life or the life of your family. A personal testimony is as powerful, if not more powerful, than any sermon that you can hear. If you share a testimony of how you came to the Lord Jesus Christ and that other person hears it, that's more, pers more personal and more powerful than any sermon that you can hear. So I want to encourage you, this church, please look up and look at me. I want to encourage you to give testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done in your life. I said this a few weeks ago. I want to encourage it even more. If you have a testimony to share, please let me know what it is. And let the whole church hear of the glory of God and how he's working in your life. After hearing the testimony of Peter and John, the church as a whole offers a unified prayer of praise and a prayer for boldness. And in this prayer session of the church, either one is praying this prayer or many are praying this prayer, but all are in agreement of this prayer. They offered a prayer of praise and bold service. This is Acts 4, 24 to 30. I'm not going to read it right now. We're going to break it down. So there are several parts of this, chair, this prayer where we can learn from and we will today. But let me share this with you. When you're in a prayer service, when you're in your house or you're in, a, in the church or you're in any kind of gathering, when one prays, you all pray. When one prays, even if one prays, you're unified in your spirit, agreeing with that person in prayer. In one accord. And when the church is in one accord and is unified in prayer, there is power in that prayer. I have found that there is power in the prayer of praise and boldness. This happens when the church is unified in its purpose and they know that God will come through for the church and for the person in his own will and his own time. It's when we are focused on what God wants to do and we know that God will do it and we know we need God. That's when there's power in our prayers. For example, when people need jobs, we all come together and pray. When their families are in jeopardy, we come together and pray. When people had COVID or are restricted with COVID, we lift them up before the throne of grace, unified in prayer. When people have cancer, and so many of our church members over the years have had cancer, and yet God sustains so many through the power of prayer. How blessed we are from that. We have walking miracles in this church every day. And you know who they are. People who have survived heart attacks. I remember, I don't remember if it was 20 or 25, 30 years ago, that one of our, one of our trustees had a, heart, had, had a blockage in his heart of 90%. Called the church all together. We met in that ram room. There was about 40 of us. United in prayer. And we prayed for him. And not only was he sustained, not only was he healed, but he's still walking today. Praise God. Praise God. So you need to keep us in prayer. We need to be prayed together. We need to know that we need God. We need to pray for each other. We need to know God is there. We need to be unified and bold in our prayers together, corporately. We need to be praying for the next pastor who will, come, who will be coming. Let us see the model of the unified prayer from this church that we study today, from the early church. Acts 4.24. When they heard this, meaning when the church heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. 
Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They open up their prayer. In their opening of the prayer, the church acknowledges who God is. He is sovereign Lord. In the Greek, it's depotus, meaning God, creator, all-powerful ruler, one of all authority, one who must be obeyed, one who could not be questioned, the sovereign Lord. It is good in prayer, when we start in our prayer, to acknowledge and to honor and to worship who God is. Because when we know who God is, we know that God hears our prayers and will answer according to his will and his purpose and that there is nothing that is impossible for God to do when we come to him in prayer. When we acknowledge and we're reminded of the power and the lordship of God and that God is in control. When we let go of control and we give control to God, there is power and there is boldness in our prayer. So when the prayer is opened up by this prayer here, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. This is actually a, a scripture from the Psalms. And it's good for you to know the scripture from the Psalms, the context of the prayer and the context of where the opening comes from and be encouraged in it. Psalm 146, 5 to 9 says this, Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord their God. He is the maker of the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The next time you pray, whether it be privately or corporately, begin your prayer with that psalm and see where the Lord leads you in your prayer. The disciples and the church, the early church, had power in their prayer because they know they knew who they were praying to. Do you know who you are praying to? Do you give honor and worship to God in your prayers? Does the scriptures back up your prayers when you pray? Let me say this to you. This is important. The deeper you know who God is through his word, the deeper and more powerful your prayers will be. And when you are obedient, you will want to pray more. When you're obedient to the Lord, you will want to pray more. If you're not praying, either as a church or as an individual, if you're not praying, then ask yourself, am I being obedient to the Lord? When was the last time I opened up his word? When was the last time I seeked his presence and his will? When was the last time I was willing to give control over to God and let God be the one who would settle the issue? In the early church's prayer, they went to fulfill prophecy of scripture, to praise and proclaim what was happening on the streets was a result of God's plan. Acts 4, 25 and 28 says this. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouths of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and 
and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. What happens here is this is a fulfillment of Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 would proclaim that God and Jesus and the gospel will be opposed by everyone. Will be opposed by everyone. Nations will oppose. People will be plotting. Kings of the earth, rulers of every kind, the Jews, the Gentiles, the pagans, all people will be in opposition to the gospel and to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is what God had planned and proposed to be. Some of these nations and some of these peoples, we even know they stand in rage against God. But it's all part of God's plan. It was God's plan for his holy servant Jesus to come and to offer his life as a ransom for many. For a ransom for you and for me. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. And the Lord Jesus came by the plan, the purpose of God. He came and God had him crucified and had him risen from the grave. And God gave his son as a ransom, meaning he bought you back at the highest price. He made sure that your sins are paid for at the highest price. By the, by the giving of his own son's life. So there was plotting and there was vain, and they all thought they had victory at the cross. But the victory was God's, and the resurrection proved it, and the victory is when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was that joy that was set before Christ that made him go to the cross because he loves you and me, and he paid the price for you and me. That the ransom of his own son's life, you can be forgiven and you can be saved. The rulers and the many who serve sin will always oppose the Savior. God allows the plotting because in the end it will be in vain and, and people will come to Christ and they'll be saved. And a church that prays and seeks the will and the plan, the protection, and the desire to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I like Psalm 2 too. All opposition will ultimately be in vain. Psalm 2.4 says this, and you could look it up later. I just love the verse. Psalm 2.4 says, He who sits in heaven will laugh. He who sits in heaven will laugh. You can oppose God, you can plot against him, but he laughs because his plan and his purpose will come to fruition because that's the way God will have it to be. And the end result will be in verse 12 of, chapter, of Psalm 2. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Then the early church prayed, as we all should, with a specific need appropriate for the occasion of prayer. We're going to get to the heart of it now. We're in the jewel of the passage. Are you ready? Tell me you're ready. Are you ready? All right, outstanding. The jewel of the passage. Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Notice what they prayed for. Notice how they prayed. Lord, you know the battle. You hear the threats. You know that we're all in danger. 
We, we know that our lives are on the line when we proclaim your name. But we only ask, God, we only ask for boldness, for the boldness for your servants to speak your word with boldness. At the prayer meeting, notice this, they did not ask to be delivered from the trouble. They asked to engage in the trouble, to enter into the battle, to be faithful to the work that Jesus had asked them to do. And I believe it wasn't just that they were praying for Peter and John here. They were saying they were praying for all of them to do this for the Lord. A prayer to be bold, to have great boldness, to be enabled to serve, not to surrender, but to advance the kingdom, to advance the gospel, to have people saved so that God's kingdom can be established. To advance in the face of danger, not to stay quiet, but to be motivated to proclaim and to do the will of God. This church that prayed this prayer did not ask anything for themselves. They only asked to do God's will. Only asked to do God's will. This prayer for boldness, the church knew that the boldness would not come from within themselves. They knew that the boldness would only come through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit and that it would bring God glory. They knew their boldness was to proclaim Jesus' name and they knew that boldness had to come from Jesus. And the church concluded the prayer for God to be behind the work and that the church would do it for God's glory and not for their own. That God would be the power and the source of all their blessings. It's a good way to stay focused. In prayer or in your Christian life or your ministry, whatever it would be, we do it for the glory of God, not for our glory in any way. We empty ourselves of anything that could resemble glory and we give glory to God. And anything we do for him, we want to do for him, for his glory and for his purpose, for his son and for our salvation. But notice this, Acts 4.30. As they end their prayer, they say to the Lord, they're asking the Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The early church knew the power for the effectiveness did not depend on their boldness, but it depended on the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who they identify as the holy servant, Jesus. Being bold, let me be clear about this, because we could be misconstrued on this a little bit. Being bold does not mean that you are in the will of God. Being bold does not mean you're in the will of God. Depending on the Holy Spirit to guide your actions and staying focused on Jesus, and when God tells you to do something, you're obedient to do it. That's the boldness that God desires. The church needed and they asked God to continue to heal and to do these miracles so that the people would see the power of God and they wouldn't think that it came from the people, but they knew that it would come from God. When God's power is acknowledged, when we come before the Lord and we acknowledge that he is the one that brings the miracle, that he is the one that brings the person to salvation, then salvation is really close and not far behind. The prayer is we will be servants of the Lord who will boldly go and proclaim and proclaim the gospel. Proclaim it. 
to proclaim Jesus the Savior and have believing faith. And notice this in verse 31, that God would answer the prayer. I love this. Pay attention to this. God would answer the prayer. Acts 4.31. And they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The prayer for boldness from this early church is answered immediately. This prayer definitely pleased God. As the place was shaken and the Holy Spirit was at work. If you remember remember Acts chapter 2, when they prayed, the house, when the Holy Spirit came, it was shaken. So the prayer was answered and the place was shaken and the Holy Spirit was there and filled the people. Not just Peter and John. It filled the people. And they spoke the word of God boldly. I would imagine inside the church and outside the church, they spoke the word boldly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me share this with you. This came up in our, in our Sunday school uh, lesson, which is on Thursday night, not Sunday, about the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's two things. There's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you surrender your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you belong to him as his child, God indwells you with his Holy Spirit. There's a permanent residence that happens, and the Holy Spirit never leaves you. Never leaves you. In fact, works with you through your sanctification in this life. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit that I can see from these chapters in Acts and throughout Scripture, the filling of the Holy Spirit is when God has a purpose for a ministry or a proclamation of the gospel. He fills the person for that purpose. And then they feel, they know they're filled, and they go forth and do that ministry. So what is the application for us today, LBC, Lindbrook Baptist Church? What is the application that we can see? We need to be a boldly praying and proclaiming the gospel church. Amen? Do we need to be a boldly praying and proclaiming the gospel church? Amen? Amen. We need this. So let us take a few lessons from what we see from this text. There is the sharing of testimony. Again, I emphasize this. The person or the church who is active and is an obedient servant to the Lord, they will always have a report to share of who God is and what God has done and what God will continue to do. His church can give testimony to that. The church that is praying will always have answers of prayer that have to be testified to. When we have answers to prayer on Wednesday night, or if you have answers to prayer at any time, then let the church be known what those prayers are, because those prayers are miracles of God. Testimony for each person to be encouraged and to be strengthened. We are to have unity of purpose. Remember, if one prays out loud, we all pray together. We're unified in our purpose, agreeing in our mind, in our body, in our soul, that God will do his work, and we will work for God. We have to acknowledge who God is and what he has done and what he will continue to do. Always giving honor to God the Father, a determination to proclaim God the Son and to be obedient to the Holy Spirit who will guide us in this way. 
Then there's a prayer for a specific need. I, I like this a lot. People can pray and they, they get all scattered when they pray. When you come together as a church, pray for a specific need so that you can measure the need. And when that, when that prayer is answered, you can give testimony to that prayer being answered. Then there's a prayer for each other. Pray for each other always. Are you praying for each other? Look, 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 look around. Just take a, a moment. Talk, take a look around. See if you pray for anybody in, the, in, this, in the church. Just say yourself. You don't need to convict yourself. Just, just ask yourself. Am I praying for anyone else in the church at this time? Pray for each other. Pray for your church leaders. Please pray for your church leaders. Pray for your elders. Pray for those who are servants and doing the work for the Lord. Pray for me, please. Please. Pray for each other. Be committed to love each other, to be prayer warriors towards each other. We are all the hands and feet of God in this church. We are partners. We are warriors. We are servants. We are disciples. And when one of us goes out, all of us go out because we're praying for that person. And if you're going to go out and proclaim the gospel or do any ministry, report it to the church so that we can be praying for you. And be in constant prayer for our new pastor to come. Pray that you'll boldly and faithfully proclaim the gospel and live out your love for Christ in your life. Not in your own power, but in his power. So what else? Here's a question. Everybody look at me again. Sorry. Look at me again. This is important. What else can we be boldly praying for? I have an idea. Now, we have those sharing thoughts cards that no one has even written in about two months. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not hurt. But um, take, take the card or email the office what we should be boldly praying for. Okay? If we get a, a, a good response, maybe we'll have a, a, a prayer meeting together. And maybe if we pray boldly and obediently, the place will shake and the Holy Spirit will be at work in a mighty way. And if not in the place, maybe even the Zoom screen will shake. And you will know that God is at work in your prayers. Please do this. I know I, we ask for things and then nothing ever happens. I would want you to take time to do this. Think about what we should be praying boldly for. And then my final thing is this. We have a corporate prayer meeting on Wednesday. I, I want to beseech you to come to that prayer meeting. Imagine if all of us came to that prayer meeting. How wonderful it would be. And even imagine this, and, 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 and Sal says this right. If you could just give one Wednesday a month, it would still be powerful. It would just be powerful. I can just promise you that it will be powerful and God will be at work and be blessed by your obedience and your desire to pray together. He will be blessed in it. He will be pleased in it. And the mighty things will happen. May you have a bold and active faith in proclamation, in love, in service to Jesus. And may we be a praying church and a Holy Spirit-led church and let us bear a powerful witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask Elder Sal if you close us in prayer. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we're honored 
to be in your presence today. Oh, Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for John, who so boldly proclaims it. But, Lord, as we hear this message, some of us have to admit that we are not boldly sharing testimonies. We need boldness, Lord. We, t- we see opportunities come along, but we don't take them. Oh, Father, we confess that now, and we ask you to put that aside. Give us an opportunity to share the precious message of the gospel with those, not on a soapbox, we don't have to stand on the street corner, in our gentle words of testimony of love for what you've done for us to a friend or in the line at the grocery store or sitting next to someone on the bus. Just say, God has blessed me today. Has he blessed you? Some word that will just bring honor and glory to you, and then you can use the smallest seed to, to grow in their hearts of either curiosity or someone else comes along and says the same thing or however you use it, Lord, but use us first. Let us be that seed. Let us bring that bold word, even if it's a calm and a loving word. So thank you this morning, God. We honor and thank you for the opportunity. And we have such good news to proclaim, the forgiveness of sins, the inheritance, the home in heaven, the adoption as your children. Why would we want to keep that quiet? Why wouldn't we want to boldly proclaim that for those who so desperately need it also? We thank you for that this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Amen. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, all right. Worthy is the Lamb. Let's go to some announcements. <laughs>